1: Welcome baseball fans to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Nathan Rohde alongside Ben Badler. It's a busy day here in downtown Durham, North Carolina as we go to press with an issue and the 2008 prospect handbook. It's so busy in fact that executive editor Jim Callis is making an appearance in the editorial offices this week to help us with the process. Speaking of prospects, the National League West Top 10 is available on newsstands and will look quite different than the handbook with some recent mastery from the Arizona Diamondbacks. A recent trade sent Dan Heron, right-handed pitcher from the Oakland Athletics, along with Connor Robertson to the Diamondbacks for prospects Carlos Gonzalez, Brett Anderson, Aaron Cunningham, Chris Carter, Dana Evelyn, and Greg Smith. This is a pretty big trade involving about eight or so players, been weighing in on this. Who do you think is the winner, loser, positives, negatives, anything in this trade?
2: Well, I think in a lot of trades, the the knee-jerk reaction is to declare someone a winner and someone a loser, but I think in most trades, and in this one in particular, I think both teams ended up uh, getting something, becoming better after the trade than they were before the trade. The Oakland A's, I think, saw where the Los Angeles Angels are right now in in terms of uh, how they stack up in terms of their talent right now. And in the AL West, I think it seems like the Angels are really the clear favorite to win right now in the AL West. So I think the Oakland A's looked at it and said, all right, we have Dan Heron, who is a very valuable commodity right now. Obviously, Johan Santana's on the market, but he only has one year left. Uh, Eric Bedard's there, also very short-term for whatever team trades for Eric Bedard, but Darren Heron has three years that you'll get for him below his market value if your team, like the Arizona Diamondbacks, that trades for him. So Heron's value is really at its peak right now. So rather than wait too long for his uh, to, to be able to trade him and to be able to get a significant haul in return for Heron, uh, the A's, I think, smartly looked at Heron and said, all right, he's at his peak value right now. Let's trade him so we can get the best return possible. And I think the return that they got which is uh, Carlos Gonzalez and Brett Anderson, the number one and three prospects in the system, as well as Chris Carter and Aaron Cunningham, who also ranked in their top ten. I think they got a very good haul in that. I, I think I really think that Brett Anderson honestly could be, he ranked third and Gonzalez ranked first in the Diamondbacks system. Uh, that's in our copy of the new issue, issue on newsstands right now of Baseball America. I really think Brett Anderson might actually end up being uh, the best player in this deal for the athletics right now, and it certainly is a deal that really uh, beefs up a farm system that probably could use a lot of help. They they haven't had such great drafts in the last couple of years, so this really, I think, is going to be a big step for them, Nathan.
1: Right, and you see a lot of this in the offseason right now, mainly a lot of it with the Tigers. Rather than going for that big-time free agent, because really there isn't a big-time free agent available at this moment, a lot of teams are really now going for the trades. You know, trade your big-time guy that might be a free agent in a year or two and get those big-time prospects now. So they've kind of shifted from the spending big money on the free agent to try to get the big prospects by giving up the money. So this is another example of seeing that because you got Carlos Gonzalez, who is ve- possibly a five-tool prospect uh, who just hasn't, Quite gotten his chance yet because the outfield in Arizona was so crowded. So, how do you feel about this this shift now in the uh, the idea of front offices and where do you think it came about?
2: I think some of it. I think some of it's motivated by a GM doesn't want to necessarily be that guy who becomes known for oh he traded this prospect to this team and that prospect ends up going on and having a, a Hall of Fame or going to multiple all-star games throughout his career. So there's some fear of that. But I think there's also just a general wisening up and understanding in terms of the economics of the game. When you have a, a prospect, you can cost control him for the next six years of his career. Whereas with a free agent, you're basically paying... You're just paying a lot more money for in terms of the relative or the marginal value that that the free agent will be able to return. Whereas if like the team like the Oakland A's has these six players now who they'll be able to rely on for many years to come. They'll get them, they'll develop them through their peak years. Whereas with a free agent, when you sign a free agent, you're probably going to overpay for him, since if he si- if the free agent signs with you, means most likely that you're the one who thinks that you're the one that's giving him the most money on the table. So he's taking that. Not only that, but he's probably, given that the most free agents are around 28, 29 years old, probably going into a declined phase of his career. Uh, whereas in this trade, both sides kind of end up winning because The Oakland A's got their prospects, and in return, the Arizona Diamondbacks end up with a prospect, or excuse me, with a pitcher who is probably one of the best pitchers in the game for the next few years at a reasonable price as well.
1: Arizona stayed pretty busy in that same day, too, making two other deals. They received Chad Qualls, Chris Burke, and Juan Gutierrez from Houston for Jose Valverde, who was their closer this year and actually was pretty good, one of the better closers in the National League, but they also received right-handed pitcher prospect Billy Buckner from Kansas City for in, a utility infielder, I guess, and Alberto Ciaspo. What's your quick take on those
2: two trades? Um, well, with those two trades, I think the, that the Diamondbacks just needed to get rid of, or they wanted to get rid of Kiaspo there. They tried to get something in return. I'm not crazy about Billy Buckner. Um, in terms of the other trade, I think Valverde is a, a still a very good player. I think the Dimebacks probably uh, like Juan Gutierrez. They, I'm sure they like Chad Qualls, so they probably try to get a little more quantity in return for Valverde coming off one of his best seasons. Uh, I actually kind of like the move for Houston, but at the same time, I think Houston probably would be better of trying to trade off some of these players that they have and trying to get some more prospects in return. Uh, I'm not sure really what you could get for Chad Qualls or Chris Burke right now, but I think that the Houston Astros really need to improve their farm system right now, and going for a, a closer, I'm not sure really. So I'm not I'm not sure it's really going to help them so much because I don't see them being able to contend in the NL Central in 2008. Nathan,
1: going back to the big topic of prospects with the NL West uh, kind of being in focus here, how do you feel? Not necessarily ranking them from top to bottom, but how do you feel about the teams with their prospects? You've got Arizona who really graduated a lot of their prospects to the majors, but they're still very young, and they still do have a few guys in the system that are young. The Rockies won with a pretty young team this year, and it also looks like the Dodgers are pretty well set to uh, compete for a couple of years. So you're looking at the possibility of a tight race in the West for the next couple of years. How do you feel everybody stacks up against each other out West?
2: Well, in terms of all all the farm systems out there, they're all they're all – pretty pretty fairly solid right now the diamondbacks farm system obviously lost a lot of guys but i mean they still have Jared Parker Max Scherzer and the but most important about the Arizona Diamondbacks is that the guys that they have in terms of their young talent won't be in our prospect handbook it's guys like Justin Upton and Chris Young and Micah Owings who are already at the big league level who are going to be able to contribute to the Diamondbacks for years to come now and then you'll get a system like the Los Angeles Dodgers I mean, one through eight—that's that's a very solid one through eight right there. Clayton Kershaw, number one, even down to seven and eight, James McDonald and uh, Jonathan Malone. Those are two very good pitching prospects right there. So they certainly have a deep farm system, as well as the San Diego Padres. Really improved their farm system. Hasn't been as productive in recent years lately, but now with Chase Headley and with Matt Antonelli, number one and two, and then Matt Latos, who was number one prospect in the Northwest League this year. There's are certainly uh, highly improved talent. So I think you look at all the young talent that's out in the NOS and obviously like the Rockies, like you mentioned, Nathan, and uh, I think for, for a few years to come now, it's going to be interesting to see which team holds on to their prospects, who maybe trades, who makes some trades, who's uh, who makes some wise decisions in the free agent market, and who wraps up some of these guys to longer-term deals. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out as well.
1: You mentioned who will hold on to who and who's going to make trades. And one thing that really comes to my mind when we talk about the NL West is the Dodgers and the potential that they have in their young and their farm system that is very strong. I think personally I'm very keen on taking or uh holding on to those prospects and really panning out and building for the future for several years rather than the win now method. As a lot of people know here how I reacted to the Cameron Maven trade, but with the Dodgers, personally, I'd like to hold on to all of those guys rather than get caught up into these rumors with Johan Santana, you know, talking about, well, is number one, the number one guy Clayton Kershaw going to be dealt? Personally, if I'm the Dodgers front office guy, I'm holding on to these guys. Do you think it's worth the number of prospects that we've seen in the rumors to give that up for Johan Santana? Still not sure if you are going to get that window to get that extension.
2: Well, I think any any deal with Johan Santana has to you have to put the qualification in that you, you assume that you will be able to re-sign him, or ex, not assume, but you have to be able to to re-sign him long-term, because trading pr- pretty much any any of these guys for just one year of Johan Santana is not going to be worth it. And I agree with you what you said before about the win now mentality. I think teams are some teams are starting to see see that the long-term future is, is as important. Winning in 2008 is the same as winning in 2010, for example. When you look back on it, it's it's all just it's all just the same season, really. It doesn't matter when you win, it's just if you win. And to be able to be healthy and competitive for a long time is, is certainly important for them. In terms of the possible deals for Santana, I don't think that there's anything that the... I don't think the Dodgers really need Johan Santana. I think, obviously, it would help them, but in terms of trading, would I trade Clayton Kershaw for him? Uh, straight up for Johan Santana for one year, not even knowing if I could re-sign Santana? Uh, no, absolutely not.
1: Going back to one more trade before we wrap it up here on the Baseball America podcast, Jim Edmonds goes from St. Louis to San Diego for David Freeze, who's a mid-level prospect. Personally, I'm a fan of Jim Edmonds. Not so much anymore because he's old, but you know, several years ago I was a fan of Edmonds, but I personally like this trade. You know, you get a mid-level prospect for a guy that can cover a position that you're not really sure about for the next year, maybe two years. But what is your take on the Edmonds uh, to San
2: Diego deal? Well, I think it was a smart move by the San Diego Padres. I think they really had had their eye. They needed a center fielder to come in and replace Mike Cameron, and they really had their eye on Fukudome, I believe, who ended up signing with the Chicago Cubs, which was also a very nice signing by the Chicago Cubs, we should mention. But they needed to get a center fielder, and in the free agent market, obviously very expensive. The Padres are really not into going to the free agent market for these multi-year deals. They're really the master of these short-term deals, uh, low-risk, high-reward uh, uh, free agent signings that they prefer. So with Jim Edmonds, they, they pre- pretty much trade a lower-level prospect like David Freese and acquire Edmonds in return who is in his late 30s, didn't have a very good year. Before that, he was very good in his late 30s still. I think he'd still be a league average player uh, in terms of his offense. and I think his defense, you know, he obviously used to be one of the best defenders in Major League Baseball as a center fielder. His defense right now, I think, as he's into his late 30s, a little bit more questionable, but I think it really just depends on his health right now in terms of how good his defense will be. and That'll also be an important consideration as Jim Emmons plays in Petco Park. But overall, I really like this deal for the Padres, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, I think it really shows, I don't think there's any question about their dedication to Colby Rasmus, their number one prospect and the number one prospect from the Texas League, but I think it certainly shows how quickly they think he'll be able to fill in in St. Louis in center field.
1: Well, everybody, that'll do it for us here on another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Special thanks to engineer J.J. Cooper for setting us up. For Ben Badler, I'm Nathan Rohde. Stay classy, everybody